to the long-term goals to eliminate or, or at least reduce the need for fractional reserve banking, things like these centralized financial institutions that allow you to access the equity or allow you to finance the acquisition of, of these properties, but you're using their money that they're using from somebody else and, and you know, you're, you're, you're paying for the privilege. It's a, it's a low value, high cost intermediary that, that can, was necessary before because there was no way to, to close the trust gap. You're listening to the ninth episode of Shawzi 24-7. Welcome to the Shawsy 24-7 podcast. Talking real estate, title insurance, development, technology, and all things business. Now let's welcome in your host. He's back. Mark Shaw. Mark Shaw. On today's episode, we are lucky to have with us both Andrew Gazunas and Wes Williams. Andrew is a first-generation American technologist, aviator, and high-tech visionary who has spent his last two decades creating new billion-dollar businesses uh, for both uh, Fortune 100 companies, IBM and Hewlett-Packard. He is currently one of the co-founders and chief technology officer at Turbadium. Wes Williams is a member of the State Bar in California, an attorney in private practice in both real estate law as well as uh, general business practice. Um, Wes has lately gravitated towards companies that are quickly emerging into the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. He's assisting in the navigation uh, in this complex area and regulatory concerns that are surrounding them, which I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about today. Um, Wes is currently on the board at uh, Turbadium as well. So today we're going to talk about Turbadium and, um, you know, right on your website, uh, Andrew, is, is, the, um, is the Turbadium, I guess the 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 slogan is that you're a unified blockchain lattice powering the decentralized issue and governance of sound money cryptocurrencies which can only be minted via deposit of tokens conforming to standards set by the currency holders now i get that <laughs> wes gets <Yeah>. that <laughs> um but my my bet is is that 90 percent of our, our listeners m- might have a hard time translating that so why don't you give a, a, a general synopsis of what Turbatium is, what it does? Uh, yeah, yeah, so that's definitely a mouthful of our, our main uh, blurb there. But um, uh, it's essentially a platform where, where a number of people can get together, uh, decide on a set of rules that they want to issue a currency on uh, and, and begin accepting deposits similar to like a distributed treasury to issue that currency. Um, you know, the goals being to uh, have a return of, of sound money to the global economic stage. And, and for those who are unfamiliar with the term sound money, it's something that's backed by uh, a vehicle or, or something of intrinsic value outside of just the currency system. So it's to, to provide an alternative to um, the, uh, the products coming from central banks like the Federal Reserve, such as fiat currencies. Uh, and then for the asset owners or for those depositing the tokens, um, it's, it's a means to... Uh, reduce or, or even eliminate the need for or fractional reserve banking to, to access the equity uh, in those illiquid assets. So it's a way for them to, to get at the equity um, in, in illiquid assets like commercial and residential real estate without having to go to an intermediary like a, a, a centralized financial institution. Andrew West, who benefits from Turbadium and, and how do they benefit? I mean, obviously, you know, creating an asset-backed security and unlocking the the equity in, in one's real estate is, it sounds obvious, 
but how does that work? Well, well basically, um, the benefit is this. I mean, uh, the traditional way to, to realize any liquidity, any equity in your property is to go to a traditional bank or mortgage company to do that. Um, and there's, there's obviously a lot of uh, paperwork, costs, and um, there's a lot involved, as you know, to getting a traditional uh, uh, mortgage loan. In the tokenization process, you can essentially eliminate all that. It's, it's kind of like realizing the immediate the liquidity in the property and the equity without having to go through that whole process. And, and there's obviously the benefit. There, there is no lien against your property because there is no lender involved. No, so no interest, no loans to repay, no credit checks, no risk yeah. of foreclosure. Exactly, exactly. Well, and, and, and there's some additional benefits. Even um, there's a, a liquidity premium on properties that, that typically ranges anywhere from 20 to 25 percent uh, of appreciation. So a lot of the assets, liquid assets, are underpriced today simply because they are illiquid, and you have to go through these different processes to to extract the equity from them. So there's it's not only um, a reduction of cost and. and and going through the traditional financial process, there's there's even a premium to be realized in the in the pricing of those uh, assets themselves. So somebody's going to um, tokenize their real estate. They come to uh, Terbatium, and what is the what's the future process looking like? Well, and, and the tokenization itself is nothing new. Um, you know, it's a fancy term for something that already exists today. Uh, if you look at uh, real estate title, the way it's it's uh, uh, held today, it, that's essentially tokenization. It's just not on a distributed ledger in the form of a token. Um, all we're all we're doing is is um, placing that um, uh, the the legally binding ownership interests of the of the equity into a bearer asset. It's it's a digital token that can be transferred at will, and whoever holds it owns it. So. Uh, and, and we take that one step further and use it for deposit to issue a, a sound money currency. So you deposit a token and out of the machine comes this general use currency that everybody can use and, and see what it's backed by. And uh, it kind of creates this uh, um, you know, asset pool that, that creates a, a new currency that's backed by the assets in the pool. So. Um, so it's it's a, a tokenization itself isn't anything new, but um, today we still have to contend with a lot of those legacy systems like the county records and uh, um, and the uh, the title itself has to still go through some some quality checks. So that part of the process remains um, and and um, is used to substantiate the tokenization to give confidence to the people of that are that are using these tokens that. It is truly backed by the equity in those assets. Um, as as technology progresses and you see more and more title being transferred onto distributed ledgers like blockchain, that's certainly going to streamline the process. Um, but uh, the, the tokenization itself is is basically just a way to turn the the equity into these bearer assets that they, that can then be used with smart contracts and other other you know technical platform capabilities to do all kinds of fancy things like issuing currency. So there's lots of things that come to mind. I mean, you, you know, uh, somebody can replace their mortgage with the fact that they can tokenize and um, through through Turbatium or you can do some sort of crowdfunding to buy a multifamily parcel or larger commercial property. Um, 
Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and this is where we get into the long-term goals to eliminate or, or at least reduce the need for fractional reserve banking, things like these centralized financial institutions that allow you to access the equity or allow you to finance the acquisition of, of these properties, but you're using their money that they're using from somebody else and, and you know, you're, you're, you're paying for the privilege. It's a, it's a low-value, high-cost intermediary that, that can was necessary before because there was no way to to close the trust gap between individual property owners and, and individual investors. Given the advent of these distributed ledgers, we can now hard bake the rules of the game into a protocol that enforces it. So you close that trust gap. So it, it reduces the need for these intermediaries that that their you know primary purpose is to to provide trust. Um, and, and by eliminating them, both sides come out ahead because uh, neither side is paying for that intermediary service. All right. So there's some obvious questions that are going to come up when, when someone hears you describe the benefits and, and how this is going to occur. Uh, what, one of them is, is that, all right, so I've got a property. It's worth a million dollars. How does how does that get tokenized and, and what is the value that I reap in, in return? As, as Andrew pointed out, we're dealing with legacy systems, um, the land registry systems, things of that nature. Um, so first off, before you can even uh, even realize the tokenized asset, you have to go through the certain steps to, to confirm title, uh, the the value of the property, uh, things of that nature. So <clears throat> you're going to still ha- you're going to still need title insurance companies to research the public land records. Uh, confirm ownership and means and encumbrances, and um, you're, you're going to need an appraisal to uh, appraiser to appraise the property, and, and all of this all of this documentation uh, would get <clears throat> would essentially get tokenized, uh, digitized, and, and and placed onto the blockchain. And in order to do that, there, you need legal mechanisms to make that happen before you can even put it onto the blockchain to make sure that the the owner of the property isn't subsequently encumbering the property um, later on once they place it onto the blockchain. And one of the mechanisms that, that uh, Trebadian came up with was the idea of utilizing a, um, a land trust for that purpose. So, so land, land trust being the owner of the property. Correct. Correct. You, you're going to want safeguards and checks in place to make sure that the owner is, is, isn't doing anything, um, isn't, isn't encumbering the title subsequent to placing it, tokenizing it and placing it onto the blockchain. Yeah, and, I, and I'll add the, the land trust, um, or in California, title holding trust is is the, the one vehicle that is, is possible for tokenization. It, it's the lowest friction for this more simple properties, residential real estate, the smaller commercial uh, um, real estate properties. Um, and it's low friction because of the way that uh, beneficial interest is treated as personal property. Uh, and, and in our trust vehicles, we've developed a way to, to manage all that equity as, as beneficial interest um, only. And, and it's exclusively managed on our blockchain, meaning that um, you know, off-chain uh, uh, assignments or encumbrances are not even possible. So, so it's exclusively managed in, in the form of these digital asset tokens. Uh, and that uh, protects the the value of those tokens and assigns them to to the equity and the underlying asset. So, so some logistics here. You know, you're talking about a county that um, 
might possibly not be using any sort of blockchain um, record keeping as of yet. And if and when they do, it's certainly going to be more of a secondary resource until it becomes the primary, which could take years. Um, while they're doing this, uh, commercial property owner A decides to tokenize his, his commercial property. And it goes on the Terbatium blockchain and the, the property becomes tokenized. And now there's other owners that are obviously own a share of multiple properties because the underlying assets backed by not just his property, but by many others, I presume, correct? Uh, correct, yeah, okay. whatever is in the asset pool backing the currency. So when this is all done, the owner, uh, let's call it a year later, two years later, goes to his local bank and he goes to mortgage the property. The way to protect that is be is that he can't sign that mortgage. It's the, it's, a, it's the land trust that owns the property at that point. So there is a deed changing the name of the owner to from him to the land trust, but he being the beneficiary, I suppose? Correct, you have a third party trustee that, that manages the property on behalf of the, the beneficiary. Very good. So this, this land trust, um, the trustee would, you know, would certainly be the one that was provoked to sign the mortgage and he wouldn't do that because now there's still tokens that are outstanding and that is essentially the, the roadblock to creating any sort of back-ended fraud uh, in this situation. Correct. And then there's other, other obviously, some other circuit breakers enforcing it if the, the asset owner tries to sell it. It has to be at a fair market value and a valid arm's length transaction that they can't go and double spend the, the asset. They can't just uh, um, add additional encumbrances. So that's all, all false to the fiduciary in that trust model. So commercial owner A, who now is tokenizing his real estate and is getting cash flow rents of $25,000, dollars $50,000 a month, where's that money going? Well, the the income from the properties are still going to the to the owner or the beneficiary, right? So so in our launch model, um, nobody's actually selling the the asset tokens. They're 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 placing them on deposit. Essentially, they're they're wrapping it up in a smart contract to issue the currency, and it's the currency that they they sell to to access the equity. So. So those asset tokens, at least initially um, in, in our first phase, are only only represent non-voting equity shares. So they, they don't reflect possessory or, or usury rights to the asset, meaning if you tokenize half of the asset and you place it on deposit to access the equity, um, you're still receiving 100% of the income that property might be generating. So it's, it's a way to get to the equity, similar to how you would with a tra traditional financial product like a loan, without giving up the, the income rights to the asset. Right. Think of it, think of it, think of it, Mark, think of it like a bailment. Like, like, like if, you were, if you were going to a pawn shop and you were going to uh, uh, borrow against a, a particular piece of property, um, an item of property that you had, it, it sits in a, a bailment. You own you own it, but you're essentially just lending it out uh, for the time being until you can repay that loan and, and, and get the property back. So it's similar to a bailment type. But you could sit and allow that property to, to be tokenized forever and continue to collect the cash flow and be the primary beneficiary. 
Correct. Yeah, it's uh, there's two ways of of exiting the system. There's there's one that is gracefully, and and the graceful exit means you have to go out and acquire as many turba, which is the currency that's issued, uh, as many turba as were generated at the time of deposit, and you have to destroy them or take them out of circulation, and that allows you to withdraw your asset token. Um, the other way is to simply liquidate your, your asset, to, to actually go and execute a sale to another party. Um, and in that case, if you had, say, for example, 40% on deposit during escrow, the 40% of those proceeds would, would never even go into your hands. They would go to whoever's backing, you know, whoever's in possession of the tokens. Some of the, um, the benefits of owning commercial real estate, multifamily real estate, come to mind, uh, depreciation, obviously cash flow, some of the real estate tax incentives that an owner has to own the property. How does the, it's a two part question, commercial property owner A, which I described previously, tokenizes his real estate. What of these benefits has he lost possibly? And what potential benefits has a third party owner who's purchased, I guess what you call it Turba, right? Uh, correct, Turba, yep. A beneficiary who's, who's purchased some of these tokens, what type of benefits do they get, if any? So, so on, on again, with the launch currency itself, so in our first phase, uh, only the, the asset owner, the, the person who deposits the asset tokens, can withdraw those asset tokens. So, um, so the, the currency holders themselves, they're not in it as an investment vehicle. They're, they're after what, when, this is why you see sound money um, all over <laughs> our, our website. Um, so this is why you see, sorry, sorry, Wes, was that? Yeah. Uh, Turbanian uh, is, uh, is attempting to create a stable coin, yeah. one that is volatile or subject to the volatility of normal currency. Yeah, so it's 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 not an investment vehicle as much as it is a stable store of value. Which, if you look at the the cryptocurrency models that you see out there today, these first generation coins, they're subject to a lot of volatility because they go through a, a fixed supply model. Um, and there's many reasons for that, and we can get into that later. But uh, um, this, this compounds the volatility, and that's driving away mainstream adoption. Um, you, know, you don't see people in developing economies or overseas sinking, um, at, at least uh, the mainstream users, uh, putting their paychecks into cryptocurrencies because, yes, they can appreciate dramatically, but they can also evaporate half their value in a matter of a month. So it's, it, it serves as a poor, stable store of value. Um, so there's a need for a, uh, a stable cryptocurrency, and that's, that's one we're trying to fill. All the benefits of Bitcoin uh, without the added uncertainty is what you're saying. Correct. It, it's a mainstream replacement for for um, government issued fiat currencies. You know, a property it's uh, that goes through the tokenization standpoint. The property owner doesn't lose any of their benefits. They still reap all of the same benefits. The only um, uh, the on the and, and on the flip side, the the purchaser of the turbo has an asset backed crypto that its value is stabilized by the underlying real estate that supports it. 
Correct. And, and there might be um, some uh, benefits and some drawbacks for the property owners. This is depending on, on which currency they deposit in. Um, what, what you need to do is take a look at the, the old equations of cash flow versus balance sheet and kind of rebalance them because um, you know, if you're tokenizing without giving up um, uh, any of the income rights, you can use the equity to purchase additional properties and gain additional income. So if cash flow is what you're after, that's one thing. If, if you're looking at the balance sheet as far as a long-term investment to, to reap rewards off appreciation of the property, then you would want to uh, look at different vehicles. Then in those cases, you might want to look at traditional financial products because um, if that's your long-term goal, um, when you're tokenizing, um, you know, if you sell the token, then you're relinqu relinquishing the um, ownership of the appreciation. Uh, the difference with the deposit model is that because you are able to purchase back um, by destroying the turbo that is issued at time of deposit, you can, if your asset appreciates, you can go and, and buy back uh, the tokens using the same number of turbo. Now, what's the price of turbo? Does it accurately reflect that appreciation? That's part of the, the speculation, the, the, the market speculation that's bringing stability to the, to the, to the currency itself. Um, if it's accurately pricing at 100% uh, across all assets, then the price of the currency will go, will go up commensurate with the price of the asset, and, and it's, it's a bit of a wash, right? Um, but um, you are locking yourself out of losses from depreciation because you've already cashed in on a certain percentage of the equity at fair market value today, plus whatever premium, like 20, 25%, you'll be seeing from liquidity premiums and, and from overseas holders that are holding onto it just for a stable store of value. Right, I, so there's a few uh, random questions that come up, you know, thinking about a property owner that's saying, oh, this is, sounds like a great idea, I really need to get into this, I've got no debt now, I've got no payment plan with a bank, I've got no um, potential issues with foreclosure, um, I've just got to deal with this this land trust. So the guy who's cashed out mm, decides to stop maintaining the property. What happens? Wes, you wanna you wanna take that one? No, so I understand correctly. He, he, he's purchased he's purchased back the asset token that's on deposit with uh, with with Turbanium. Well, he's token he, he's tokenized he's tokenized to the point where. Um, the tokens are now sold. He's, he's, he's cashed out a percentage of his, of his equity. We can get into how that works um, next, but you know, we, we go back to those land trusts and um, Andrew m makes a point right. where you're locked out of any potential loss because you've already taken your, your equity. Well, okay, if there's, no, if there's no loss, I've gotten my money and the property's not worth as much, which might mean that the cash flow has gone down, the incentivization to withhold and, and maintain the property may have also gone down, especially if he's got some problematic tenants or the area has, has maybe depreciated in value. Um, what happens in that case? And, and that's, uh, I'm sorry. No, you, you I, no, I, I see. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, that that was uh, that. That's the whole purpose for put, placing the property in the land trust and, and utilizing a third party uh, trustee to make sure that that uh, the property is maintained in an adequate 
fashion. So there, there's contractual agreements in place with, with these you know, property owners to make sure that, uh, regardless of whether or not there's any incentive, uh, they're going to continue to maintain the property. Yeah, it, and that's a good question. When when you also said, um, you know, uh, they're locked out of depreciation. That what I meant by that was just on the amount that they deposit. So the amount that they've actually tokenized and put into play, for example. Um, there's a, a system-wide maximum of 65% tokenization, um, and one of the reasons for that is to um, keep the owner's skin in the game, so to say. So the owner is always going to have a direct ownership of 35% at a minimum, uh, and that incentivizes them to at least protect the value of, of their investment to some degree, right? Um, as far as w whether the the... Um, the assets fall in value due, due to macro events, such as a, a, either a neighborhood going bad or, or um, some kind of a natural disaster, that simply gets uh, absorbed as part of the, the risk of the asset pool. And, and when we talk about a decentralized currency issuance and governance, all those fancy words, that means the currency holders themselves are setting the rules for what they will accept as deposit into their currency. So if you have a riskier jurisdiction or a riskier area, the, the currency holders can reject the, the acceptance of those tokens um, based on the fact that they want something more stable and more reliable. And that's not to say that you can't create other currencies that have riskier propositions behind them. Maybe that uh, there's a higher uh, return or, or you have an exchange rate that, that you have a little extra buffer put in. But these are all rules that the currency holders can create and manage themselves, with the end result being a, a set of competing uh, currencies, each with their own characteristics, and people uh, choose them based on their risk profile and performance characteristics. Great points. Uh, let's go back and talk about the one item that we kind of neglected to touch on is how does that, once someone tokenizes their real estate, how do they how do they take their, their cash? How do they take out their equity? and, and how does the percentage work and how's that process work? We we did talk about the fact that you have to go through a necessary appraisal, but then what is the process? In order for the uh, the token holders to to convert the the tokens into fiat currency, they're going to have to utilize a third party exchange. C correct, and they're not they're not exchanging the asset tokens themselves for for fiat. They are depositing them to to issue a secondary currency that is normalized, that is uh, meaning fungible, right? Each, each one is, is equal to another. Um, and they, they take those to the secondary markets that are, that are these crypto exchanges, correct? And the percentage-wise, I don't know if Wes or Andrew, who wants to take it? Uh, obviously, you're, you, you mentioned 35% needs to stay with the property owner as, as his you know, skin in the game, if you will. Um, the sixty-five percent. How is that? How is that priced out? It's it's an appraisal, and he goes to the he goes to the exchange market, and he exchanges the the the, the turbo with uh, fiat currency. Well, the the appraisal itself is also again set by the currency holders. The, these are all part of the rules that the currency users set up for for taking um, tokens on deposit. So, in our launch currency, the initial rule set says that. Um, for the valuation part of things, you must have a valid appraisal by a third-party licensed individual within the past six months. And if one does not exist when the owner tries to deposit the asset token, it simply bounces back at them. 
um, it, it's a it's a programmatic means to go through and find okay the valuation is in U.S. dollars for for this property it's worth one million dollars, and then it figures out okay well this token represents ten percent so that's a hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, uh, fair market value today. That's how it decides how many turbo to issue on the other end, and that's a that's a part of the valuation protocol which is set by the currency user. So so you can imagine a whole bunch of people get together and they say. We want to create a currency that's backed dollar per dollar by real estate in California. They set up the rules in such a way that says, okay, well, if you bring on a Sanaska token and place it on deposit, um, as long as it's got a substantiation of the value behind it, we'll issue one turbo for every U.S. dollars worth of, of value that that is. Now, what happens after the deposit? Yeah, the, 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 the asset value itself might be going up, might be going down. This is where the the efficient market hypothesis kicks in because there's a hundred percent transparency behind the asset pool. Anybody can go in and see every the details of every asset token that's backing the currency. And with a, an efficient market hypothesis, this is where people there will be experts that will be looking at that underlying asset pool and making speculative judgments of, oh, I think it's overvalued. I think it's undervalued. And that's what some of the pressure that moves the price of the currency. So if you can imagine, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, it's a great point. And, you know, the speculators that you're talking about, the, the, those that are uh, researching the underlying currency and the assets, I, the appraisals would be on the blockchain, correct? So they would be able to have access to these. Correct. They, they would see the full data, the, the substantiation of the tokenization, including the appraisal, if that's what they baked into the rule set. Um, so, and, and there's another added layer of, of visibility, which is the asset owners themselves are really the experts of whether or not their property is over or undervalued typically, right? So there's additional incentive. You know, if you think about stable money or stable coins, the, the way they're being developed today, a lot of them are trying to take this algorithmic artificial approach that injects new money and, and forces purchase of future money and bond, zero, zero bonds and and these different, you know, algorithmic mechanisms to try to peg the the, the currency to a, a external one like the U.S. dollar. Well, those are all just trying to engineer the the markets out and, and trying to create this this instrument that tells the markets what they're worth, which which doesn't work, right? I mean, that it's going to unravel at some point. At least initially, these first iterations won't work. So. So with, with the asset owners always having their finger on the pulse of the asset, if they see the price of Turbo going up so high that it, it's overvaluing their asset, they're incentivized to deposit more tokens, generating new Turbo and extracting that premium. So if, if you think about the currency being overpriced by 50%, that's, a, that's a more incentive for the asset owners to deposit more and, and get that premium, lock it in right now, right? And that adds supply, that, that adds selling pressure that starts bringing the price back down. Same thing on the reverse. If 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 the currency is undervalued for for whatever reason, and and they can buy back their interest for less than fair market value, or even less than they 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 sold it for to begin with, or deposited to begin with, they're incentivized to do that, and that takes currency out of circulation and puts buying pressure and starts putting upward pressure on the price. So that's how we achieve that that parity or that. So you've got the asset owners fighting. Uh, knowing their their valuation of their asset in relation to the shift of the currency, and then you've got all these other guys that are digging through the data and looking at um, the, the the asset pool to to see, and they they all fight to find an equilibrium. Pure economics, it, you know, it's it's it sounds like it works. 
uh, like a masterpiece when everything is working smoothly. And you know, I, I've heard you, uh, I've heard you've been asked this question uh, previously on um, on on your show, to- tokenize uh, or tokenize this, right? It's called tokenize yes. this. Yes. So um, both uh, Andrew and Wes uh, have a podcast or a, uh, also a video on YouTube, and it's called tokenize this. And the conversations are are get um, what's the right way to put it. Um, they're very engaging and uh, thought-provoking. And one question that was uh, that that you had posed is, uh, "What is money?" And you get into the fact that you're talking about supply and demand and the pure economics behind what the currency is worth. And you know, really, you know, you, it, it's as simple as something's worth more at at a given time. You might sell, which then could. Adds, you know, it, it, it brings that value back down to reality. So you have a uh, what is a real stable coin here. So let me ask you this question, but both you and Wes, uh, what's your concept of money and, and where is it going? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and what's interesting is that uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, they, they've caused me to, to, to kind of really re-examine how how money is created in the first place. I mean, to be honest with you, I, 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 was, I was unaware how money was created in our current system. And, and I was unaware of Austrian economic theory and, is, and, and it's different from, from um, what our current economic system is. And uh, the free market-based system sounds, uh, it, it, I, I, it, it, it gives everybody, it kind of democratizes money and allows everybody, uh, the free market forces, to kind of dictate what, what the price of things are and, 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 and how, much, uh, you know, how much the dollar is worth rather than um, uh, a centralized organization kind of dictating monetary policy. It, 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 and, and you can do that on a blockchain. And, and that, that's what, so I think, and, and you know, it, it goes back to, I, I think at some point we're going to be using multiple currencies like we are now to, to buy goods and services rather than, um, having one currency uh, that that we all use, and ultimately, I mean, we should be able to have that choice, and that's that's kind of where I see um, this technology taking us. Andrew, Andrew's got Andrew's got a whole different thought. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I and everything Wes said was spot on. Um, you know, I I uh, I have the benefit of of not having. Um, I consider it a benefit of not having been brainwashed with Keynesian economic theory by going through the university system because I kind of skipped that part of my life. But uh, uh, rather, instead, I got involved with uh, um, back in 2008 and 2012 with uh, um, uh, Ron Paul presidential campaign, and that's where you know that's where I started learning about monetary policy and sound money. So everybody's usually typically got some kind of a watershed moment in which they, they start thinking about, um, you know, true monetary policy of what does it mean to the base of currency and where, where does that, you know, come from? And and that's where I'm grateful at uh, these first generation cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum that have actually um, brought that back to the public sphere uh, because there were uh, political movements to do things like end the Fed. Right, um, and and those those hit a political wall, uh, or a wall of political will, and and fizzled out. And and here's a way that we can actually 
um, start just creating an alternative to that system. Just create something competing, right? Uh, the, the create a, a different way of people to, to use uh, money. Um, and, and philosophically, yeah, I mean, what is money other than just uh, it depends on what, what you want from it. I mean, if it's a stable store of value, it might be one currency. Uh, if, if you're looking for something that's appreciating and skyrocketing, I, I see that more of a speculative investment vehicle, but some people call that money. So it's, uh, it's an abstract that we've kind of lost uh, in terms of um, its true meaning. Because of your uh, underlying opinion of the dollar, I suppose. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's all it's all a step in the right direction. Don't get me wrong. I mean, everything's uh, the the evolution. I think with with fiat currencies like the U.S. dollar when they were still backed by gold. You know, I'm not a gold bug. I, I think there's there's more elegant models, but uh, uh, like the one we're we're developing, of course. But uh, uh, but uh, you know, it was all a step in the right direction. But the centralization um, breeds a, a bit of, I guess you can say, a lack of competition. And that, that creates stagnation in which you, you, you have a seeping in of non-optimized uh, processes. And I think that's, that's kind of what we've had, is we've had a lack of, of good competition in the market space for things like uh, uh, reserve currencies. So a while back in the conversation, we talked about how you know, tokenizing is kind of a key word, a, you know, a buzzword these days, and how you can really tokenize anything. Um, I suppose Turbadium is going to be a resource to tokenize other resources, correct? Assets. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and from a technical standpoint, I don't want to get too too into the weeds. Uh, that's why we've designed our our blockchain lattice in such a way that um, we can take deposit of tokens in in any any protocol, right? So it doesn't have to be. Uh, an asset tokenized with Turbadium. Um, you know, if you think about supply chain inventories all being placed on the blockchain today to facilitate uh, a, you know, transparency between coopetition, right? Uh, co competing cooperative companies, like like any supply, uh, complex supply chain, um, they've already they're already moving their data onto a blockchain. So, if you want to tokenize work in progress inventory, for example, or or, or goods in movement. Um, you know, you you wouldn't approach them and say, well, you have to rewrite your whole blockchain and put it on our platform, right? You you want to have flexibility that you can simply bring into the lattice work um, other tokens elsewhere. Uh, the same thing with uh, what companies are doing, bringing t real estate title onto the blockchain. That's going to streamline the tokenization process tremendously because now you may no longer need the trust vehicle if if the if the title is held as a token on, on a blockchain and you can tie that into our lattice, that allows you to just simply fraction or portion that token and, and use it directly for deposit. You no longer need all these extra uh, components. So it's, it's very exciting where things are going from um, a security tokens perspective and, and bringing all this data onto the blockchain. So things are definitely moving forward with uh, you know, being able to do all of these things in, in California. Because that's where you guys are all. That's where Turbanium has started. Um, Wes, you want to comment on regulatory issues that Turbanium is is uh, is going through, and um, where do you see this going in the next few years? You see, um, yeah, you, you being able to tokenize real estate uh, across the country. Right, and Turbanium is looking into various other jurisdictions. Matter of fact, a lot of uh, uh, their model is about partnering with uh, ancillary service providers because they know that they can't do this by themselves. 
they're going to need the, the, the cooperation and help of attorneys, uh, title companies, um, uh, appraisal companies, uh, third-party trustees, uh, all, all, the, all the component pieces to, to make sure to, to prepare properties for tokenization because ultimately Turbadium wants to be uh, a virtual vending machine where anybody can come and place their, uh, their asset tokens on deposit to dispense cryptocurrency and that can then get traded or exchanged on a secondary exchange and turn it into fiat currency. And hopefully uh, at some point you'll have uh, merchants accepting uh, Turbadium uh, as they would accept any other cryptocurrency. Turba. That's Turba, correct. So, so ultimately, like, ultimately um, these uh, ancillary service providers are, are necessary for the long-term um, uh, outlook of Turbadium because Turbadium needs them at the outset. So anybody in each state can essentially go in and, and determine how that they would go about tokenizing a particular piece of property and then come up with their own um, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 legal vehicles to, to essentially get the property tokenized and placed into this virtual machine and, and work with Turbadium to do that. I mean, because ultimately I, I foresee uh, uh, a, a business model uh, just around uh, tokenizing uh, real property assets and other assets for that matter. So all these ancillary service providers can, can come together or anybody can come together and create this business model that, that tokenizes these assets to, that, that can then go to Turbadium and say, here's, here's a tokenized asset. Does it meet your criteria? Or can we work with you to create a, uh, a set of rules that, that will accept this tokenized asset on the bottom? So, Andrew, where do you see this in five years? Uh, in five years, we, we, would, we would have uh, uh, rolled out across most, if not all, the jurisdictions in, in North America and working on, you know, the Southeast Asia. Um, you know, we're already, we've already got plans on the roadmap to be in the UK by 2019. So, um, the, the, the more diverse the asset pool, the more... Uh, you could you could say even inherent stability there is in that. So if you have a, a really large enough pool, then you know if certain assets fail, uh, that doesn't bring down uh, the entire currency. So and and we'll be fully decentralized by then. We've got some quality gates, some circuit breakers in during launch that have really set rigid milestones where we pull those out um, to allow self governance on the currencies. But obviously we've got to enforce some stability up front. But so in five years we'll be completely uh, decentralized and autonomous where the currency and the community is, is running everything themselves. Uh, we have some partners on the roadmap as well for uh, integrating reputational systems, uh, guys like Samata uh, that uh, would, would allow that, that um, self-governance to be even more efficient and, and start building additional business models. So alluding to what Wes had talked about, the, the tokenization or the, the, the tying together of the old legacy legal systems like title, county recorders offices and, and you know creating that token that's the least scalable part of this, of this whole equation right if you think about it that's the part where you need boots on the ground you need local expertise you need you know uh, local securities and, and legal legal work so that's the part where we've dedicated uh, a, a full third of the network fees generated by our platform to go to the tokenizing agents um, so we're looking to mostly partners to, to help scale that piece up well, and, and finally, I think in, in, in five years, we'd, we'd hope to see Turba 
at, at least uh, uh, the index turbo or, or the primary currency are being accepted in support of direct support of transactions. So meaning merchants and shops and, and people simply, um, you know, getting away from these uh, uh, fluff coins and, and fiat currencies. Non, non-backed uh, currencies, essentially, both fiat and, and uh, uh, other, other cryptocurrencies. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. And now, 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 there are going to be some other asset-backed um, uh, cryptos coming to market. I'm sure that there's competition. Um, what is the distinguishing factor between Turbadium and some of them? Well, I think uh, uh, from a from a technical standpoint, we're developing our own protocol, and there's there's many reasons for that as well. Um, you know, a lot of folks have taken a shortcut and and base them on on the most popular platform today which is ethereum uh, but there's there's a number of technical challenges that and and even long-term business challenges that come in to play by basing it that way uh, and you can already see it as a manifestation of how they're approaching the market what they're what most uh, uh quote unquote backed currency uh providers are trying to accomplish is is to create a market for the the asset tokens direct trading and direct sale of the asset tokens um, and they're trying to do that first and then figure trying to figure out a way to to do the currency issue and governance second um, I think that's a, a little bit backwards because it's it's uh, it's a lot more difficult on the regulatory side to create that marketplace and it doesn't really add the liquidity um, you're outright selling those security tokens in in that model you're you're actually selling shares of your property and um, to, to me, that's no different than traditional models available today. Like every, yeah, like REITs and, and traditional models available today, except those having been proven with the test of time uh, and, and with regu- you know, regulatory pressure and, and uh, um, some, some quality checks baked into it. Uh, I, I think you know, it's still valid. It's still a valid model, but it's just the old stuff moved onto the blockchain. Um, you know, it's it's uh, approaching it from the other direction adds a lot more value right away to, to the equation. Andrew and Wes, uh, this has been a great conversation. I've enjoyed learning about uh, Turbadium. Look forward to watching Turbadium grow and uh, talking to you guys in the future. Yeah, likewise. Uh, and, and hopefully we can find a way to work together uh, as well. Absolutely. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode of Shalzi 24-7. The concept of Turbadium is a fascinating one, to say the least. Cryptocurrency being backed by real estate, the opportunity to own real estate that you otherwise uh, may not be able to have exposure to, and the concept of being able to have a liquid asset, which typically had equity trapped within um, is a a concept that's going to really change the way that real estate is invested upon. As always, you can reach me at shawzy99 or email me at mshaw at www.landtransfer.com. Again, hope you enjoyed and talk to you soon.